I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, along with my partner, colleague, and friend, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and a publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 197th episode, if you can believe that, Nick, of our weekly therapy session, Investing in Bizarro World, where we talk about the markets, we'll talk about what we're investing in, and we'll talk about the madness going on around us. Nick, 198 of these. How are you, sir? Oh, we're nothing if not consistent, Gerardo. I'm doing good. Got over the uh, sickness in the household. Lots of people have the flu, I hear. It's going around. You guys were sick as well. How are you doing? Much better. Uh, first day where I feel 100%. A uh, lot to get to. We're going to talk gold, as always. We're going to talk the dollar. We're going to talk Patriot Battery Metals, which had itself a week. We got to talk Herschel Walker a little bit. We got to talk about the SBF ship and uh, the politics that surround it. And we got to talk the overall markets. And that's kind of where I want to start, if that's all right with you, Nick. You've been um, very consistent, which was uh, the, the word you used to describe us. You've been very consistent in your outlook for our economy and the overall indices. It hasn't just been a consistent view. It's been a very accurate one. We were comparing portfolio notes a bit off air um, and, 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 you know, commenting, quite frankly, how, how, you know, the portfolios look really good, especially compared to a lot of other groups that use a lot of the same things that we do or try to do some of the same things that, that, that we do. Um, and, and not to say that there haven't been misses because there's always going to be misses, especially on my end where it's the more speculative resource side. And I know we both dabble in that resource space, but I say all that to say you've been really, really spot on with a lot of your calls, your energy calls, the overall indices, um, volatility expectations. And so let's start with the overall markets. How are you feeling? We talked recession last week. We talked slower earnings. We talked about where we were in the contraction cycle and why was that important? What are you seeing this week? Any shifts? All that stuff is still in play. We're, we're going through it. Um, shifts, I'm not sure. It's, it's shifting, but again, only because we're um, walking through the forest is, is probably a good analogy. And so once you get halfway into a deep forest, you're by definition halfway out of the forest or halfway <laughs> to, to getting out. Um, and you're halfway to getting out of this recession or economic contraction um, or whatever you want to call it. Um, the things that have changed, we talked about the, yeah. the, the 10 years going down now and the yield is in fact bearish while the two year yield holds up, which you know, I continue to say is pointing to the yep. Fed hiking a couple of more times, right? You know, 50 basis points instead of 100. Um, but the market now starting to price in other things. Maybe that's something that's changed in the, in the past week is, you know, we talk week to week. So sometimes speaking of the forest, I lose it for the trees. But, um, you know, the market sort of knows now what, what the deal is, right? There's not going to be a major pivot. There is going to be a couple of more hikes and they're starting to look more towards um, other fundamentals, right? Particularly like stock earnings, which are not going to be good in the, in the, in the coming quarter, which I've said before. Um, but worth putting a finer point on it because a couple of weeks ago, if not a month or two ago, you were asking me almost on a weekly basis about oil. And I was telling you, yeah. it wasn't going to keep going up. Um, when that was the consensus at the time, right? Um, for whatever reason. Um, yeah, forget all the reasons, right? Russia and Ukraine, there's, protests in Iran, like whatever it was, there's all sorts of shit going on. And I was saying, 
I'm pretty sure it's going to trade down range bound below $80. I think I told you between yep. 65 and 85 or something like that. And sure enough, we've seen oil start to, to pull back here um, quite precipitously, honestly. Um, and I think that points to the market starting to digest the fact that there is a recession coming. Look, the, the yield curve remains inverted. I know we say this all the time, but, you know, it gets more inverted by the day, essentially. And that's because the shorter term rates continue to go um, up. And, you know, that's the, the definition of a recession. And yeah, the earnings aren't going to look good because last year um, it was it was energy that was buoying the, the S&P, keeping sure. it up. And now you've got softer oil. You don't have the 100, 100 plus barrel uh, oil that you had early in twenty. 22. And so uh, the next couple of quarters are going to be rough, but uh, the market looks forward and there's starting to be some pockets of bullishness, not just the ones in the resource space that we talked about, like um, cannabis stocks were catching a bid, like um, staples and, and utilities were starting to catch a bid as that as that longer end of the curve starting to come down. And so there's things that are getting interesting. I've made a couple of, of recommendations and foundational profits, but um you know, watching it is like paint dry, right? Because you know sort of what the cycle looks like and 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 how it's going to shape up. But um, that's still like the end of it is in Q2 next year. And we're still in Q4 of the year before. So um, lots to work through still. It's interesting. When we presented in New Orleans, that was kind of the uh, the main point that we were trying to deliver to the audience, right? We were trying to explain that a pivot will happen eventually, but there's pockets of, 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 of different sectors where you could be doing really, really well. How long do you want to wait to, to for your 401k to go down? Or how long do you want to wait to not allocate capital uh, to the right sectors by waiting for the Fed to pivot and make it obvious for you before you decide that, okay, maybe I should just do some due diligence and you know, take charge of, of, of my financial future and, and, and do a little homework because it can be very profitable to invest against the herd, right? That's something that Mr. Dines, a mentor to our mentor and somebody that was generous with his time um, with us was, was, was big on. Rick Rule, another gentleman that, you know, if you're, not a, if you're not a contrarian, you're a victim. I mean, all of these cliche sayings are cliche, but God, is there a lot of wisdom and God, is there a lot of profits in them? Well, yeah. Um, and like I said, those pockets are all over now, not just in the in the resource space, but, you know, there's things to to start looking at. I have um, less cash now than I had a week ago, for example, because I'm getting longer <laughs> the market. It's still um, a significant cash position. It's not like we're in a bull market and I don't think the, the S&P is, you know, bullish. I still think the S&P is bearish. But like I say, as we start to walk out of the forest instead to instead of deeper into it, you got to start allocating uh, that capital to places that are going to do well. And um, that's where we are. And not just because it's the end of the year, it just happens to coincide with being about halfway through the cycle. I like it. Um, I tell you what is starting to get priced in. I'm starting to be more convinced, which probably means it's going down next week because none of us really know anything with a crystal ball. It's just fun to predict stuff, right? Um, gold and silver look good. Copper's even perking up. Uh, China has announced you know, that they're opening up pockets of, 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 of its country now and lifting some COVID restrictions. And uh, look, I know I've been big on the lithium side of things and, and you know, we both have done very well this year with some lithium plays. And, and we got a new one, by the way, that uh, we'll be getting out to readers in the next three to four weeks, I think. We just wrote a check for this company. I think it's got 
you know, Patriot-like potential, not Patriot potential before all you get too excited, but Patriot-like potential. Um, but, but I say that to say the commodity sector looks to be strengthening a little bit, despite the fact, despite the fact, and this speaks to your point that markets are forward-looking, despite the fact that we know we have a quarter or two of some really tough earnings. And, you know, this is the first time, again, we talked about this last week, we see UPS laying people off during the Christmas season. Hasn't happened in years. All of that's going to show up on balance sheets in Q1 and Q2 of next year. But the commodity sector does look like it's strengthening across the board, with maybe the exception of the oil space, despite the conflict, the war, the, you know, you would call it what you want, the, uh, the, the, the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. What do you, what do, what are you feeling with gold, gold and silver? I mean, silver here closed 2350-ish, 2340-ish. Uh, gold, 1800, you know, hasn't broke out above it too convincingly, but it keeps kissing it and flirting with it. Um, yeah, my brain was jumping around. You mentioned um, my fault, by the way. No, I no, no. UPS laying people off. It's, you know, it's going to be a tough Christmas season, not just for sales, not just for retail companies, but for households, too. I mean, um, we've talked about the, the wealth effect before, you know. The stimulus money is gone. That was two years ago. The paycheck protection money is gone. The stock market was down 15% this year. Bonds had their you know, worst year, I don't know, ever. You know, Bitcoin is down 75% from its cycle high you know, late in, in 2021. Um, you know, things are down across the board. People are just generally less rich. Their houses are worth less, at least on paper. The interest rates are higher, so they're not able to refinance. Um, it's just a general, well, you know, a recession and a, a, a reduced profit cycle, a reduced spending cycle, right? So what's up? The side pieces are cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that one off. If you can still they ain't quite as demanding as they used to be, Nick. <laughs> the Honda will do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, in, in that respect, you know, that's going to translate into the market as far as earnings in Q1. Um, and, you know, the consumer is not in great shape. Savings rates are down. Credit card interest is up. People are picking up additional credit cards. And so that's one reason, though, commodities started to pull back, which is the other reason, the yep. other thing you were talking about. Uh, you know, I'm of the belief, and I've been telling subscribers this, that commodities are in a long-term bull market that started probably in, in 2020. Um, but if you look, if you take a step back out and look at the entire forest and you look at a, a chart of like the CRB commodities index, for example, you'll see that it takes 12 to 14 years to make an upcycle. And then, you know, the same amount of time to come back down and then um, which happened in, in 2020 and it bottomed out. And now we're starting to decline, but the climb doesn't go straight up. And so uh, what you saw in 2022 with commodities pulling back. Remember all the record lumber prices of 2021, yeah. aluminum screaming higher, you know, shut down the exchange for nickel, all that sort of stuff. Well, all that stuff went away and those commodity prices came back to earth as the, the market started to digest the fact that, the, the, that I was just talking about, you know, consumer spending less recessionary environment. Um, but overall, it's still in a long term bullish trend for, for those commodities, certainly yeah. copper. Um, on a week-to-week -week basis or a month-to-month -month basis, you know, I'm not sure copper is ready to break out north of, of $4 yet. But um, like I say, on the whole, these commodities are in a long-term bull market. And I maintain allocations to them in, in, in 
various capacities. As far as silver and gold, the gold looks like it wants to consolidate here. Yeah. I mean, um, again, yeah, well, it had a significant run. Yes. 1600s to 1800. I would have been nice if it just kept on breaking through 1800, uh, but that's not the case here. So it looks like it wants to consolidate around 1785, 1790 um, to form a, a base to get through that level of resistance, which is big, not just technically, but psychologically 1800 is important. Um, and it's holding up there well. Um, we didn't mention the dollar. You know, the dollar is still yeah. bullish. Uh, that was next. Yeah. Yep. In a bullish trend, consolidating as well. So you've got gold consolidating bullish gains at the same time the dollar is consolidating bullish gains. Um, and what's allowing that to happen is the softness in the in the ten year, right? So um, I don't know. That's sort of how I see it. I like it. I like it. So overall indices near term sounds like you're still bearish, not just on the economy, but the actual market. Commodities, gold consolidating around the 1800s, which, by the way, folks, is very, very healthy, given, as Nick mentioned, that we were, you know, kissing the 1600s and thinking maybe we're going to see the 1580 level not too long ago. Right. Silver. We thought silver might touch 15. You and I both did. I believe I, I certainly did. I thought there was a good chance yeah. that if gold hit the $1,500 level, silver was going to 15 along with it uh, just in dollars, not hundreds. And so, no, look, 2350 silver. Um, $1,800 gold, 380 copper. If that's all that happens in 2023, we're going to make a lot of money. Those are solid, solid numbers to, to speculate around. Mm -hmm. Crypto. Bottom. The crypto bosses are popping up dead. Three of them in two weeks. Remember we said it was going to happen. <laughs> you want to hear how the crypto bosses died? <laughs> Let's see. Helicopter of billionaire. I'm going to mess his name up, so I'm not going to say it crashed to the ground after taking flight. A second passenger allegedly canceled last minute. Authorities have not indicated any possible foul play. That's number one, right? Um, this guy was the founder of the Forex Club um, and, and president of the Libertex Group. And he's the latest, right? He's the latest crypto guy that died. So that guy, um, plane just accident, oops. Condolences to the family, obviously. Don't mean to be insensitive on that front. Um, on November 23rd, uh, the co-founder of Hong Kong-based digital asset company Amber Group unexpectedly died in his sleep. You'll never believe that, Nick. At the grand old age of 30 years old, of course, there is no suspected foul play. And last but not least, a tech millionaire drowned on a Puerto Rican beach on October 29th on my birthday. Come on, Nikolai. I saw that one. While his family reportedly became concerned for his welfare. They have not raised a suspicion of foul play. He was 29 years old. That's three in three weeks. And man, I don't believe in coincidences. And we said a month ago, uh, there's going to be a lot of bodies washing up. Yeah, I, I'm not saying they're all, it's all foul play, but I'm also saying if, you know, the average family were to suspect that his or her significant other was a part of something that lost people's life savings, and then something happened to said family member, um, and you did believe it was foul play, are you really going to be the family member, the average person going to raise their hand and say, I want a full investigation when you don't know how the heck it happened or who the heck it came from? And it could be anybody. Um, and obviously it's people that at one point were very wealthy and trusted these folks, safeguard some of that capital, right? Um, before it went to money heaven. And, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's going to be the last of it. And sorry to jump around. We'll get to 
we'll, we'll get to SBF a little bit later because there's plenty of uh, plenty of uh, rats jumping the ship on that boat as well. But um, any thoughts on the crypto bosses popping up dead? I mean, par for the course, uh, I suppose, when you have an implosion like that, you know, it hasn't just been um, FTX, but, you know, um, lots of coins have blown up, lots of um, projects have blown up, um, lots of companies have gone under. And so if that was a $3 trillion market last year, you know, now it's less than a, a $1 trillion market, which means $2 trillion went somewhere, right? Um and yeah, it goes deep. I mean, as we're seeing, there was lots of people involved, you know, Wall Street people, celebrities um, on various fronts with varying degrees of um, openness um, about, you know, who was getting paid by whom and, you know, why people were saying certain things. So um, when you have uh, an implosion like that, uh, a bubble popping, certainly there's going to be reverberations and you know, fallouts when you throw a giant rock into the water, it, it ripples outward. And so uh, you're seeing some of those ripples now as the, the crypto rock got you know thrown down pretty damn hard. Um, the only one of those that I had seen or read about was the kid in Puerto Rico. And it's just interesting that you um, go out swimming like in your full clothes and, you know, you take a walk on the beach. And, and again, out. we don't mean to be insensitive, folks. It's just... And you're found dead in, um, you know, fully clothed. Like, I'm not sure that that's how you go for a swim, but I'm not sure that's not conspicuous when you're, you're dead on a beach at that age. And he was tweeting some pretty crazy stuff, um, like the day before he passed away, about, like, the government pedophiles and, and stuff like that. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, like I say, I don't know a ton about it, but the, the fallout seems commensurate with, um, some of the scams and, and some of the lost capital that we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Opportunity still in Bitcoin or you think it has further to fall? Further to fall. So what did I tell you last week? I was short the NASDAQ and I was um, short uh, the Bitcoin complex. And so closed my NASDAQ short. That was wonderful. We just got like, I don't know, six down days in a row or something in the stock market. That worked out quite well. Still have the open short. Um, on the Bitcoin, it's, you know, dancing around here, $17,000 Bitcoin is, but um, I don't think it breaks out. I think, you know, it goes down before it goes back up. I like it. But yes, that long-term opportunity for sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, you know what I do for fun sometimes? Because I have a childish sense of humor. I go to a website called brainyquote.com. <laughs> And you can type in the name of any, most celebrities, most historical figures, most present day figures. You could type Elon Musk or you could type, you know, whatever, Donald Trump. And so just for kicks, I typed in Herschel Walker. <laughs> and folks, listen, I'm just going to read one, right? Um, I'll, 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 read, I'll read two, actually, just to give you an idea of... The train wreck that Herschel Walker was and the fact that there had to be a runoff for this guy. And he almost was elected, you know, to be a, a, a gentleman that was going to legislate on behalf of constituents is beyond me. And again, great football player, but we're not all meant to do all things, folks. One of his quotes, he says, <clears throat> all these older kids here and I'm the only one from a town that's so small. If everyone breathed at the same time, you'd run out of oxygen. Man, there is nothing there. <laughs> 
the other one was. I usually read the Bible a lot, <laughs> read little short Bible stories. And today, whenever I give speeches, I bring up a few of those Bible stories because those are inspirations to me. <laughs> He's got like a whole litany of these, all sorts of quotes that are hilarious. So go to brainyquote.com, people. We're not getting a check for this. This is not paid content. Um, and just type in the name of your favorite person and just laugh away. It's hilarious. I had said for uh, a while, I'm not sure if, well, I'm not, I think we've talked about him on this podcast in the past. I don't know what issue, but you know, even just talking with my wife or whatever, it's like, how is this guy in the running? Like, how is this close? When I listen to him talk, my brain would hurt. And it has nothing to do with his politics. It just has to do with being. His brain would hurt. <laughs> not educated and inarticulate. Like, what are you, literally, what are you talking about? I would wonder to myself. <laughs> <laughs> the speech about the vampire and the wolves. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be more like the vampire. Maybe you'd be a vampire wolf. I was like, what are you talking about, man? Well, yeah, he would talk about the climate change and like the air over China and the air over Europe, and <laughs> mixing the air and doing. All, I mean, all sorts of random stuff. And so, even at the end, his party was turning on him. I mean, there was a couple of Republican senators that said, you know, this guy's the worst candidate since whoever. Uh, and he was. And so and we'll talk about politics a little bit because I wanted to talk about Mr. Biden and, and, and the rail unions. But it just shows you how disingenuous, you know, politicians are that they'll endorse this guy. Right. Just because he's got the, an R next to his name instead of a D. Right. Like he's the guy. And it's like, dude, what party he is shouldn't matter. This guy is a buffoon. Like like you say. And, you know, I, I was an Eagles fan when I was a kid. I rooted for Herschel Walker. But um, to, to plow into people with his helmet and shoulder pads, not to, you know, make laws and uh, on my behalf or the behalf of, of, of anyone else. So um, anyway, to see to see other politicians, you know, endorse him. And when you know it's half-hearted and it's not their true belief is sort of, you know, one of the things that's wrong with the entire game, right? Um, and I know Trump was... Uh, supporting him and either held rallies or held, you know, whatever calls or videos or benefits or whatever. So, um, and I know you put that on the list is, you know, he wasn't the 12 the, out of his 14 picks lost. Right. right. That, that's not a little bit. Or some newsletter writers I know. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> Oh, man, there's so much madness going on. We're, we're going to talk Patriot battery medals in just a second, y'all. But, but I just want to say there's so much craziness going on that in the intro, I didn't mention the fact that the Peruvian president was ousted hours after he tried. Yeah. yeah, he tried to dissolve, you know, the parliament of Congress to avoid being ousted and then arrested. Uh, we didn't bring up the fact that we just and 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 listen. Uh, all I'm happy as all heck that Brittany Brittany Griner is home, the WNBA player who was who was you know it, it was bullshit from the get. She was sentenced to nine years. She was used as a bargaining chip. She was sentenced for having vape oil um, in in her vape uh, cannabis vape oil. Um, glad she's home. Couldn't be happier, right? Um, Pretty sure there's still people in prison for weed in this country. One, that was that. That was my first point. My second point was going to be Russia won that deal. I mean, I'm no, I'm no diplomat, but they got, we got Brittany Griner, and again, welcome home, girl. But they got the Merchant of Death. <laughs> I mean, oh shit! And again, this is one of those few times 
where if you could imagine what the merchant of death would look like in a movie, and then you see this guy, yeah, fits the part. We've talked part. about him before. We talked about this was probably two or three months ago when they first started floating the idea of um, yep. giving up this arms dealer. So you know, for yep. context for everybody, there was uh, we had a Russian arms dealer in custody, um, and they had. A female basketball player who smokes a weed. And Paul, and Paul Whelan. And we also had, you know, a gentleman that's, you know, presumed to have been on, on, on our side of it. He was captured. I, I believe he's done like five years of his time in Russia. That was that was really the negotiation that we said was going on, that we were trying to bring Mr. Whelan home and, and, and that Brittany Griner was going to be the face to that, right? Because it was mm-hmm. suspected that he was a spy, that he was caught. And, and, and that, Did we get uh, him too? I'm sorry? Did we get him too? No. That was oh, the other and that, and that was the other point. Come on, Joe. Again, I am no diplomat. I am no like foreign relations specialist. We didn't get him. So as happy so, as I am for Brittany, we we're trying to get our spy back, like our bad guy that was out there, you know, making things oh, happen. Yeah. So, so we didn't get him. We 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 didn't get him. And so again, I just what are we doing, folks? Yeah. I mean, yeah, to trade uh, a Russian arms dealer and, and spy or whatever for, you know, a WNBA player who was smoking some weed, that's that's not on the up and up, man. That's not getting the, the long end of the stick, which you, you always want to get. And it's hypocritical because of what I already said, that you still got people in this country. I know Joe Barton, yeah, Joe Barton, Joe Biden, Barton. <laughs> Um, some simple possession stuff or, or whatever, but you still got, you know, lots of people still in jail in this country for um, marijuana. And so to put so much focus on on bringing this chick home for a country where it is illegal, I mean, she broke the law there. So, you know, whatever. Um, again, disingenuous. Um, get your own people out of prison for, for marijuana before you, you know, want to be tweeting about uh, uh, Brittany Griner. Um, and then I'm going to talk about the railroads because it's a pretty good transition. It's a great segue. You got anything else on, on, on Brittany Griner? And- no, I'm I'm, ha- I'm happy she's home. Uh, she should have never been sentenced to nine years. The law doesn't call for nine years. You know, they trumped it up. I'm happy, I'm happy she's home. I can't believe we didn't get Paul Whelan here. Um, you know, that was always the the, 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 the play. That was what I, I thought. And again, I'm no diplomat. I'm no... Are no specialist in that in that field, but many people much smarter than I that are you know ex heads of state and ambassadors for the U.S. You know were very vocal about the fact that that was that was the negotiation that was going on. And if you read some of the stuff that Paul Whelan did, I mean, allegedly, um, okay, we'll give you a merchant of death. You know, you could have your give us our bad guy back. You know, good bad guy, and you get your good bad guy back, and then let's get back on the board, right? But I, I hope there's more to this story. I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope that you know in a month. Uh, Mr. Whalen comes home and uh, it's 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 part of something that we just don't know about yet. But with that being said, um, Joe messed that one up. Let's talk about the rail, the, well, the, maybe, the railroad workers and the unions. Maybe they should have let Herschel Walker negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk, about the, let's talk about the railroads. So I've been following this story for a few months. And, and Patriots come in like five or ten minutes, y'all. Don't worry. I know some of you always reach out with comments to me about Patriots. So we'll get it later. This isn't the part for that. 
I remember we first started talking about it when we, we were in Beaver Creek. So that yes. was in September. And, yep. and I was talking about how there was this looming rail shortage. Well, they staved it off for a little bit back then. They were like yep. basically punted and that's, and said, all right, you know, in December we'll have this deadline and, and we'll try to, um, you know, pass all these you know resolutions and agreements to, to keep the rail workers going. Well, that deadline was, you know, early this, the, the second week of this month or the third week of this month of December, it was like December 18th or 19th or something. And so we were coming up to it pretty good. Um, and there was like 12 factions of railroad unions that had to pass um, the agreement that was on the table. And um, they weren't asking for a ton as I looked at it. They wanted like a week of sick days, for example, <laughs> which is pretty reasonable. Um, they wanted but- to be treated like humans that get sick. Right, exactly. And so every all 12 had to pass it for it to go through and for them not to strike. If one of the 12 didn't pass it, then all 12 rail unions strike. Um, we're we're going to go on strike. And, and that's a big deal for not just the obvious reasons, like, you know, not getting, you know, food and goods to um, cities and, and, and towns and stores that need them. But um like one of the things I read was that basically New York City would overflow with shit within like a week because they wouldn't be getting the sh- literal shit like two or three million tons a day or something. Yeah. Human shit out yeah. of New York City, which goes on a rail. Um, and the same thing with the trash. And so um, pause right there for a second. And now let's talk about the politicians, uh, especially the Democrats in this case, who love the unions, right? I can I remember Joe touring lots of unions during the, the campaign saying he's a union guy, Jack, and that he supported them. And, you know, he would go to the auto unions and this was a big deal. Right. He's, yeah. the, he's the union guy until what? Until the unions started doing union things. Right. The unions start doing union things. And all of a sudden it's, well, let's pass a fucking bill so they can't do that. So what happens? The Democrats pass a bill um, with a little bit of Republican support, but not much, basically saying, get your asses back to work. Um, and that's what happened in this case. Congress and the Senate passed a bill, by the way, that did not include the sick days. Uh, Bernie Sanders tried to get the sick days added, did not have enough votes in the, in the Senate to get that added. And so the bill basically says what I just said, get your ass back to work. Uh, there's a cooling off period, I think, that maybe ends today as we record this, where the, the rail workers can walk out. So I don't think that's off the table yet. This whole thing might not be done. But um, one, this story didn't get a lot of attention. And I thought it should have given the consequences of your city potentially overflowing with shit soon after the rail workers go off the job. But also, for, again, for the disingenuousness, this time from the Democrats of being so pro-union until the unions tried to flex their muscle to get better deals for their workers. And then they immediately vote against them. Anyway, let's talk. Let's talk hypocrisy and let's keep it with the Democrats. We give it to both sides here, right? How is it? And by the way, let me say this. I have a lot of respect for Maxine Waters as a lawmaker. Historically, she's been on the right side of a lot of issues that um, social justice issues that I agree with her positions and her take on. She's done a lot on that front. How is it that Maxine Waters, who chairs the committee that's investigating whether or not SBF committed financial fraud, how is she able to sleep at night blowing this guy literal kisses and saying he doesn't even have to testify? Forget indict, forget saying sent to prison, forget 
you know, anything. Don't worry about it, baby. You don't even have to come and waste time answering questions. I'll take care of that for you. Huh. What? <laughs> what? What are? What planet are we on? Like, what is happening with this shit? This is nuts. The one where he donated fifty million dollars to Democrats. This is nuts. He donated to Republicans, and again, both sides do it. But my God, I just thought that, like, are we serious? Is this guy really just gonna be able to chill in the Bahamas and not even have to come and answer questions? He's live tweeting all sorts of incriminating stuff. Like at this point, you don't. You, at this point, you don't even have to like search to make a case happen. Like the case is on Twitter. It's, it's, it's in his profile from him. Those are his words. Like just put it up on a board, indict him, and then go take to send it to the jury. That's all you I have. Fire <laughs> away. That's it. I'm outraged. I'm outraged because yeah. people lost money, lost their life savings, and. Whether it was foolish or not to invest all your money with this guy in these funds, um, it's criminal what he's done. And the fact that he's not even being forced, held to account in as little a way and form as like asking a question to the guy is beyond me. Oh, it's crazy. It's not over yet. But they dropped the, the thing against Kardashian, though. Did you see that? I bet they did. Leave my girl alone, man. Leave, leave Kim yeah. alone. <laughs> I'll find Kim. Like, what are you, find Kim 150000 and then let, let us be at, get away with getting kisses blown to him? Get the fuck out of here, man. Right. Our so politicians, they, I'm telling you. They canceled that stuff against uh, Kardashian. But no, anyway, so this is about putting crimes on social media, right? So I was talking to my buddy this week because he had called me for my birthday. And um, he had jury duty in the town where we're from. And he got selected to be on the jury. And the case was... You know, it was like a petty drug case and a, and a weapons charge or something where the guy was selling drugs and had a weapon. Um, so my buddy was saying, you know, I wanted to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. You know, like um, his lawyer made a good case, like, you know, not trying to help him get off. But, you know, I'm not going to vote to convict this guy if there's like holes in the in the in the prosecution story and they don't have the evidence. And he was like and I was I was doing pretty good. He was like, I was convincing myself that this guy was innocent. You know, his lawyer made a good story. And then the prosecution brought out the social media <laughs> and this guy was posting his fentanyl prices on Instagram. He was walking around with his gun, showing it in his waistband, posting videos of it. And they had like a unique marking on the pistol grip or something. They like matched the gun that they had, that he had when they arrested him. And my buddy was like, oh man, I can't help you out now. Come on, man. Be a better criminal if you're going to cr criminal. Like, let's go, people. Just like SBF, right? Like, just, I on Twitter. Just like SBF. And look, I'd like to give credit where credit is due. Let me backtrack a little bit because I just looked it up just one second ago. I just looked up Maxine Waters' Twitter page. So the, 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 the position that I took came from her original tweet that said, and I'm going to read it verbatim, da, 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 based on your role as CEO. Um, oh, nope, 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 nope. That's the update. At SBF FTX, we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at FTX. Your willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers, investors, and other. To that end, we would welcome your participation in our hearing on the 13th. Now, that is the tweet and the statement that I took, coupled with an image of her blowing a kiss to him before when they were interacting. That pissed me off because, I'm sorry, you don't ask, you don't hope, you don't pray, you don't, you know, try to will him there. 
fucking make his ass testify because what he did was criminal. And if it wasn't, let him come prove it to the American public and the people he defrauded, right? So that tweet set me off and that's what got me off on the rant. She did update her uh, position and her take on December the 5th, three days later. So four days ago, I hadn't seen this one. She said, based on your role as CEO and your media interviews over the past few weeks, it's clear to us that the information you have thus far is sufficient for testimony. As you know, the collapse of FTX has harmed over 1 million people. Your testimony would not only be meaningful to the members of Congress, but critical to the American people. It is imperative that you attend our hearing on the 13th, and we are willing to schedule continued hearings if there is more information to be shared. And then to follow that up, she she tweeted um, just a day ago, lies are circulating at CNBC that I am not willing to subpoena at SBF FTX. He has been requested to testify at the December 13th hearing. A subpoena is definitely on the table. Stay tuned. At the very least, Ms. Waters corrected the position and then and, and I stand corrected. But even that initial statement. I, I get being you know courteous and polite, but some people don't deserve all the courtesy and the politeness. Well, it's been too long anyway, so there's definitely been leniency. Like, get that guy in for some questioning, right? I mean, it's been this was before Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, we can't talk SPF without talking about the rats fleeing the ship, right? I'm seeing um, Kevin Leary on CNBC, who you know, got to give it to Keith McCullough and, 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 and the group over at Hedgeye who does phenomenal work. Uh, kudos to them, that group and that team. But Keith's been giving it to him and finally felt enough pressure to where he was forced to come on CNBC and stutter a little bit. And, you know, he did the double talk. I'm sure you caught it, Nick. I'll, I'll let you kind of give, give your take on it. I mean, I actually didn't see what he said, but from what I've read, it's that, you know, he had taken, I think, 10 or $15 million um, from um ftx and, and then went on to to endorse it and he said that um he didn't know it was a a, a fraud basically which um doesn't lend a lot of you know respectability to his ability to um vet investments a la his you know shark tank and, and other stuff right so i mean if you couldn't you know see that you probably would have given him the deal on on shark tank right and um i've long not publicly but you know i've long told you about mr o'leary and, and how i felt about him and boating accidents uh, boating accidents which apparently was his his wife um we've come to learn at least that's what the court records say but yeah um always close to some um muddy waters as it were muddy waters muddy waters let's um is it, I mean, did I get it? That, you know, you did. You, you you did. You know, you know, he was he was you, you got to call a spade a spade. And look, you took the money, you promoted it. You pride yourself on someone that is, you know, a, a monster shark when it comes to due diligence and prides himself on being very risk averse and, you know, wanting to mitigate risk at all costs. And when you pride yourself on that and then this happens, you got to wear it. Right. You got to wear it. It's like making a bad pick. Make a I make a bad pick. I'll wear it. I'll wear the bad ones just like I wear the good ones. Like it cuts both ways. And just to see the double talk with Mr. O'Leary and, and, and just to hear him, you know, still kind of defending SBF and still kind of saying, you know what, I I'm willing to give him, you know, time to explain himself. And I still believe, you know, he wasn't aware of the fraud he was committing if there is fraud and. I, I, again, again, this is where we're at in this fourth turning, everybody, right? We talk a lot about the fourth turning here. 
whether it's the political system, the financial system, the legal system, the criminal justice system. Um, it, it's, 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 it's on the way to burning down before we can build it back up. And look, looking forward to being uh, in a position where as a society, we build better systems and institutions because the ones we got ain't it, Jack, in the words of Joe Biden. I'm a union man, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Kanye released new music on Alex Jones' show. Of course he did, right? That's it. I'm not giving that guy any more airtime. Neither Kanye or Alex Jones. Alex Jones, have fun being bankrupt. I hope I see you for a drink one day here in Austin. Tell you what a piece of shit I think you are. And uh, Kanye, same, same. You know, we'll just leave it at that. Um, let's get to our Patriot Battery Metal segment. It has been... The most interesting week for Patriot Battery Metals, as everyone knows, my largest personal holding has been a top pick all year. It was a top pick back in January when we did, you know, the the, the money show picks um, that, that that you and I do every yep. year, you know, versus not not versus. I shouldn't say it because it's never a competition, right? Guys picking stocks. But I scrolled through, and I'm pretty sure you won. <laughs> I saw some bad picks in there from some other well-known publishers that were down some. Oh, I don't know. More than 50% on the year for sure. Look, I, I, to, I'm just saying, I think I've won two of the last five years. I, I had a great bear a few years back and we got Patriot this year. So anyhow, I, you know, I wear the Magna Golds just like I wear the Patriots, right? Um, and, and we're hoping to get an update to everybody on Magna Gold, by the way. I haven't ignored it or dodged it because of the debacle that it's turned into. I've ignored it and dodged it because there's things behind the scenes that, you know, hopefully are able to make that company um, whole and right again. And, and let's see how that plays out. But that's another conversation for another time. Um, Patriot Battery Metals. Uh, we've rode this thing from 16 cents all the way to a brand new all-time high, which it did make a brand new all-time high this week. It traded in double digits. It kissed double digits for a little bit. And then today's Friday, and I'm so glad, so glad we waited till Friday to record this week's podcast because if it would have been yesterday, I would have sat here and told you that I told you. I would have said I told you it was going to trade in double digits in Canada. Um, I would have told you that when it went public on the Australian exchange on Monday, you know, midweek or on Wednesday, I'm sorry, midweek, midweek, it touched a high of 1576 Canadian equivalent, right? And so easy math for you folks, take the share price in Australia, the, the, the IPO is in at 60 cents, so multiply it by 10, let's call it six bucks, and then give it a 10% haircut for the currency devaluation. That's the simple math. That's how you track the share price. So it touched a high of 187. So 187 times 10 is 1870. Take 10% off. Let's call it 16 bucks just for kicks. It touched $16 Canadian equivalent. So of course I'm I'm sitting here counting how many years I can sell a thousand shares of it. And I won't say how many years because then you'll know how many shares I have. And I don't want to be that guy. But I'm like, this is great. It's fantastic. We're going to open up on the Canadian exchange the following. I could barely sleep, Dick. Right? We're going to open up at least at least 11 or 12. Right. We opened up around 10 ish, 1050. I said, OK, it'll firm up. And, you know, it, it firmed up for a little bit. It made new all time highs of 765 on the U.S. side, 1050 ish on the Canadian side. And then Friday today, the shorts got in there and just pow, beat the living tar off of the stock. Right. And it's clearly shorts coming in that. I'll speculate that, that that believe that the free trading shares, um, quite a few that are coming free trading on the 21st of December, 
that those are going to be sold. And, and, and if you believe that you would take a short ahead of, you know, potentially your shares becoming free trading so that you could pocket the difference. Shares go up, you keep them. You have your free trading shares. If the shares go down, you can buy them back at a cheaper price and you make money off the short. They did that very aggressively today. A couple of things. The first point I want to make is because that, that arbitrage at one point, it was like a 75% variance between the Canadian equivalent price from Australian share, shareholders and, and what it was trading for on the TSXV. Um, that's likely to continue for two or three weeks. And, and the reason that is, is it takes a few weeks for the market makers to have the stock placed to where the infrastructure exists for the exchanges to equalize, right? To balance out to where, you know, the opening price the next morning is going to be a, 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 a very alike what it closed in Australia, you know, the, the prior evening. And so I think that happens in two or three weeks. It could be four weeks. It could be, it could, it could be less than that. We have the holidays coming up. But in the meantime, it's going to be volatile. And I just want to remind everybody what you have. Um, or let me remind everybody what I have. It's the single best lithium discovery in at least the last decade. It's likely going to be at least two to 300 million tons before year end. The first resource that comes out by the end of March is likely to be anywhere between 125 to 175 million tons of 1% lithium with a very attractive tantalum credit. Only two and a half kilometers of trend has been drilled. There's nearly 60 kilometers on the property. There's 40 kilometers of, of, of there's 20 kilometers of trend that has proven um, lithium bearing pegmatites on the property. And another 20 kilometers, the company is just starting to map out and, and, and continues to find more of these lithium bearing pegmatites. And, this point is important. There's so many companies that are popping up now and they're saying, we have pegmatites, we have pegmatites, we have pegmatites. Yes, but do you have lithium spodumene bearing pegmatites? Because not all pegmatites are created equal. And this, you know, for the average speculator that's looking for the next Patriot that believes the, the, the upside in Patriot isn't what I think it is, right? I still think, I, I still think we get on a phenomenal run and close close to 20 by, by year end, which is just a few weeks away. Let's see, you know, we got it on the Australian side, but it didn't, it didn't carry over. Um, but let's say that doesn't happen until the first quarter of, of, of 2023. Um, I, I think it's 20 and I think it's 50 by this time next year. If you don't believe that and you're looking for similar plays uh, because you understand the Patriot story and you want a pegmatite story and you want it in Canada or you want it in a good jurisdiction, Make sure when you read these releases that you're looking for lithium bearing, spodumene lithium bearing pegmatites. Pegmatites are like anomalies, folks. They're everywhere. They're like Pokemon used to be. Remember when people used to walk around looking for their Pokemon? Pegmatites are everywhere in Canada and Quebec. They're all over the place. Lithium spodumene bearing pegmatites, very different story. So what you have here is one of the single best lithium discoveries in, 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 a, in a, I know it's an element, but I'm going to call it a commodity, a, com a commodity lithium that's the hottest sector in the world and has been for several years. And I think will continue to be for several years. Goldman, by the way, is bullish now. They've 360 and now they're pushing out their bearish thesis until 2024, right? And so it was initially going to be six months ago where we had an oversupply. Then as recently as a couple of weeks ago, I think they said it was going to be by Q1 of next year. And now they're pushing it off another year. That's Goldman being Goldman taking a position on the other side of it.
I think the lithium fundamentals are wildly bullish. I think Patriot will continue to be volatile for the next couple of weeks. It doesn't matter to me because I don't plan on selling any shares this month. My shares are locked up until the 21st anyhow, and they're not going anywhere in December, and they're probably not going anywhere in January. And if there are any sales, it'll be minimal. It'll be a thousand shares here, a thousand shares there. So go take care of the IRS and go take care of some toys, right? That's really about it. Um, you know, you and I, Nick, know shareholders. I know five of them that own, that control almost 5 million shares. I know Blair has been very public about saying that he went in Australia and talked to all of the big funds that participated in that financing that own the rest of that block. And they're at least committing to not selling. We'll see if they sell or not, but they're committing to not selling. And I also know this, there's 50 holes in the lab that I think start getting reported immediately. And, you know, like, 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 like I told the company, well, we, we come out with the bazooka when you come out, right? Bring the bazooka out and remind everybody, because look, it's been a month. We made brand new all-time highs with no news for a month. So I, I couldn't be more bullish for those of you asking. I had several subscribers right in. I had a couple um, email me. I had a couple uh, email our customer service for the paid publications. I could not be more bullish about the next year and a half. For Patriot Battery Metals. And um, uh, again, I think it's going to be a profitable rest of the year, profitable 2023. But I'll caution the next couple of weeks are going to be volatile. You know, we were down at 1.21% today um, and then ended up closing down some 15%. This after, mind you, on the ASX, it was up 200% from the 60 cent IPO price, right? At one point, it, it hit that 187 mark. So Wednesday, three days of trading action. It was up some 200%. Let it settle. Let it find a range. Let the exchanges get the stock where it needs to be so that things are equal um, from one session to the other. And um, and enjoy the ride because there's a lot of upside left to Patriot. I, I, I can't wait to see some of these numbers. And mind you, we have a new discovery at uh, CB13 that we're going to start getting a better idea of grades, widths, and potential there. Right. So I don't know what, what's not to like. Lithium stocks are hot. Lithium is bullish. Prices remain high. Uh, there is no replacement technology in sight, despite some of the other stories you may see out there. Elon's still alive. The world is scrambling for for lithium, and it's it's driving up the price of batteries. I was reading today for like the first time in uh, a couple of decades because. Um, through, you know, efficiencies of scale and, and, and laws of economics, batteries were getting cheaper, cheaper, cheaper per kilowatt hour or whatever. Um, and this year they're going to go up for the first time in a, in a while because of uh, the spike in commodity prices that, um, you know, are the main inputs for those batteries. And um, again, those are the main inputs for the batteries, lithium. It's nothing else out there going on. They need to buy the lithium to, um, you know, make the batteries that they're putting in all these cars. And I continue to get questions about alternative batteries. I've got another <laughs> one this week from a customer. And again, you know, I'm forward looking. I, I look at all these other technologies. I'm, I'm a shareholder in a couple of different battery companies. Um, have recommended some some plastics recycling companies, yep. which aren't necessarily battery related. But, you know, I get that whole future story. Um, you make money in the future with it. <laughs> Yeah, right. Off. Yeah. Um, no, you know, automakers are, are switching their plants. No battery makers are committing to these other, you know, battery chemistries or technologies. Um, it's lithium. It's lithium for the next decade. And the companies that are able to 
um, supply it are, you know, the ones that uh, these automakers are after and also the ones that are getting attractive prices in the market. So it's worth reminding people, Gerardo, that um, you first recommended Patriot Battery Metals at 16 cents. You just said it went to, you know, $15 um on the on the australian stock exchange so with the 25 cent warrant (laughs) i'm aware well um yeah and you know you you look uh you compare that against some of these other companies which i did last week and and which i'll do here again um that are being touted by other you know so-called experts in the space and uh their share prices simply aren't performing the way um lithium stocks are performing and that's being gentle um you know some of these stocks that are being touted again down 70 80 percent year over year um whereas you know lithium companies uh we just cited one you know 16 cents to, to 15 dollars yeah um, you have one 35 cents i believe to 35 exactly almost right. three yeah um, and, 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 you know, uh, amid a sector wide pullback, that's actually a pretty dang good entry for some of these quality uh, lithium stocks. And so I'll stand by that. Um, I'll debate anybody who wants to debate lithium stocks versus alternative battery chemistries. That's a pretty uh, easy debate to, to win because the truth <laughs> will set you free. Um, Lick the battery, Nick. <laughs> to put our money where our mouth is. That's the, the other thing I would say is. You know, it's easy to get up there and, and make a little video or promotion about a stock that you don't own. Uh, so you don't care about which direction it goes because you're just um, trying to get people to subscribe to get their subscription money. But in this case, um, we're shareholders of the companies we recommend. We're both shareholders of, of Patriot Battery Metals, and I remain a shareholder um, of the, the other company that I'm recommending people invest in on the, on the lithium front. So. Um, eat our own cooking, put our money where our mouth is and, and hope that that's enough to, um, you know, show people that we're accountable to what we recommend and that we do believe it's a, it's a good investment as opposed to some of these stories you see, um, where people are drinking electrolyte water, but not necessarily putting their dollars on the line. Anything else to get off your chest, Mr. Hodge? That's been a solid, uh, solid, a solid rant. I could, I could get into Peru. It's positive for mining, I think. We'll know more here soon. Um, negative for Mr. Castillo. You know, Peru's going to Peru. Uh, Peruvian politics are what you know Argentinian currency debacles are. You can count them uh, like clockwork, right? Every couple of years, you're going to get one. So that's that's it on my end. I'm definitely watching Patriot. I think we get results. I hope we get results here this coming week. Um, should be a fun week. Should be a fun week. Looking forward to it as always. I like it. I encourage everyone. We talk a lot about, you know, fourth turnings here and investing and doing your own due diligence. And, you know, you kick the tires on different people. Don't just listen to us. Do your own homework and be accountable for your own decisions. But if you do want some free content that is independent of our paid publications, you can always go to daily, dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe. Is that right, Nick? That's it. Tons of market commentary you'll hear, not just from Nick and myself, but other minds, like-minded individuals like Mr. Mike Fagan, Ryan Stansel, uh, John, Carl. Uh, I I could go on, but it's a well-rounded group of voices that uh, Mr. Chris Curl on the crypto side that I encourage you to check out. It's free. It's good reading. 
it's uh, it's timely and you know hopefully you can profit and make some money off of it or at the very least get some ideas that move you in the direction of going and making some money for yourself because there's a lot of money to be made out there folks despite what uh, the gloom and doomers are telling you well said I like it. That's it. I'm Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This is our therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. This is number 197. Glad to be back. Glad to not be sick, Nick. And uh, have yourself a good weekend and be nice to everybody, folks. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.